Before we begin this week's episode, I wanted to start with a producer's note. In the following episode, we will be discussing topics regarding substance abuse and mental illness. We understand that this may be triggering for some listeners. If you do not wish to listen to these topics, please use the timestamps provided in the episode description to navigate away from the sections that you may find triggering. Thank you for understanding, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode of Chemist Tea. And welcome to episode five of your favorite chemistry podcast, Chemistry. I'm your host, Lucy, and today I am so honored to have our fifth guest of the of this podcast. Um, this is TJ Cross. He just graduated from UCI with a bachelor's in chemistry and is now preparing, or technically already started. Um, his graduate career at UCLA. Um, he's had quite a journey from throughout his undergraduate education. Um, he worked in Professor Rachel Martin's lab in his last year here at UCI, and he's done some pretty amazing things that are, that's honestly for me, quite impressive. Um, that's enough of me rambling for now. Um, TJ, why don't you introduce yourself to our wonderful audience? Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Uh, I am TJ Cross. I am a computational chemist here at UCLA. And right now I'm studying uh, how uh, electric fields uh, that are exerted by uh, enzymes affect the active site and how they uh, perform catalysis, actually. Originally, I uh, was a transfer student. I was originally a chemical engineering major at uh, Cal Poly Pomona, and I, it turns out that I absolutely hate chemical engineering. And so I switched majors. I ended up going back to community college, and I garnered three associate's degrees. Uh, and from there, I transferred to UCI. And I knew that I wanted to do something after, uh, after graduating from undergraduate, but I didn't know if I wanted to go into industry or if I wanted to go to graduate school. And so I decided to join a lab to see if research was right for me. And so I joined Professor Rachel Martin's lab uh, two days after the pandemic shut down everything. And I joined over Zoom. And the next day she was, uh, asked us, hey, do we have anybody available to work on uh, SARS-CoV-2? We're trying to look at the main protease and see how mutations can affect that. And me, of course, I didn't have anything to do. I was originally going to work on uh, a protein in the eye lens called crystallins. And instead, I was like, oh, yeah, I could totally do this. Uh, add this onto my list of projects. And then it turned into a whole project uh, that I ended up doing a lot of work towards. And in three months, we ended up collecting enough mutations to uh, the main protease, which we call MPRO, to do a full workup, basically sequence analysis, structural predictions, and uh, we did a lot of molecular dynamic simulations on them. And we basically looked and saw, well, okay, if this mutation is here, how does that affect the active site? We gave it basically what's called a constraint score. And from there, we were able to tell if a mutation caused uh, the active site to become more or less constrained, uh, which is kind of analogous to being more open or less open, which could also help inform uh, the catalytic activity of the enzyme. And 
from there, uh, yeah, so in three months we <laughs> submitted a paper, it got rejected a couple times, and then we got accepted at biochemistry. And it turned out that we had modeled just the monomer. And for those of you that don't know, uh, MPRO only works as a dimer, so it needs two components to work. And so we had to redo all of our simulations, all of our trajectories, analysis. It turned out that the results ended up being the same or really similar, but <laughs> much like before, it was a screw up and these things happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to say that I think I first like learned of you um, when it was either through the UCI chemistry social media or the UCI physical sciences social media or website, one of those things. And then they're about how like you in undergrad got a essentially a first author paper um like right in the middle of right in the beginning of covid and i think my immediate reaction was like wow this is like god tier material that's very kind but i really didn't think it was that impressive at first and then you know talking to people and they were like oh this is so cool this is so neat and then of course you've got tier material i'm like oh my god what no i obviously do not feel that way and honestly i thought that the that the uh, physical sciences social media page published my face way too often for what <laughs> um, well i'm glad to have someone also to, to talk to someone who like me, because I have the same thing. I get uncomfortable when people publish my face. I don't know. I, I don't know if you feel the same way. <laughs> oh, definitely. And it's always the same picture here because <laughs> I didn't have any professional headshots at the time. So I hit my partner who uh, has a nice camera and like used to be a photographer when he was doing his undergrad. And he did a nice photo of me, edited it and everything. I did not like the photo that much, but I was like, well, I don't have any other option. <laughs> so they kept publishing it. And I'm like, okay, I think halfway through, I think it was after the second time they posted it, I edited the photo again to make it look less washed out. I looked like a ghost for the first two. And I pray to God that that wasn't the one that you saw first, but it was so bad. <laughs> I thought it looked good. So I think you're good. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, I wanted to um, learn, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your research because we were talking a little bit before we started recording this episode about how your original trajectory was that you wanted to go into like some type of organic or like chemical synthesis, but then you ended up doing like computational chemistry. Um, how did you like you mentally like um, make the switch from like oh I thought I wanted to do XYZ but hey I'm doing ABC and I really love what I'm doing well so that's a really good question and we kind of have to go way back when to high school so like I know this feels like ages ago I'm I'm turning 25 in four days and when I was in high school that's what uh six seven Oh God, no, more years. Too many years ago when I actually took chemistry. So my high school chemistry teacher really got me interested in chemistry in general. And at the time in high school, I was a computer nerd. So I really liked computers back then too. But when I took my first chemistry course, I realized that I really loved chemistry. And so my family is a family of engineers. And so the obvious next step would be chemical engineering. And as I previously stated, I hate chemical engineering. <laughs> 
And so what had happened was I ended up transferring to community college where I had to finish my uh, chemistry in order to get one of those associates. And I took an organic chemistry course and I took the same uh, professor for two semesters and I absolutely loved it. It clicked immediately and I thought, oh my gosh, organic synthesis, that's going to be my route, that's going to be what I want to do and, you know, it's perfect for me, right? Well, so I tried to get into a research lab at community college. Obviously, at community colleges, that's a little bit more difficult to do. It's harder to get funding and uh, it's just a little bit more difficult. So when I transferred to UCI, I continued to take more courses. Um, for upper division. I only had a few chemistry courses left to take because the majority of my uh, general education had been completed at the community college level. And so then I took uh, Dr. Martin's uh, chem bio course in, I want to say winter quarter before the pandemic started. And I walked up to her and I had so much fun in her class and I was actually contemplating joining either her lab or uh, another lab on campus. I don't remember whose lab it was specifically, but it was it was a synthesis lab. And I, oh, I remember. Um, so I had emailed the professor once. He emailed me back uh, and said, oh, email me when we have positions available in spring. And so I emailed him in winter, like right before spring, so I could enroll in his courses. And I never got a response back. Oh no. <laughs> You know, it was so it was so bad, and so I was like, "Well, I'm I really liked ChemBio. I mean, I don't really know much about biology. I still it still is a very new subject to me." But uh, I walked up to her and I said, "Hey, Dr. Martin, can I?" join your lab to do some undergraduate research. I don't have any experience, but I don't really know what I want to do after after college, but I wanted to see if research was right for me. And, you know, she she's a very nice person, but she kind of was like, oh, well, we don't have a lot of space left in our lab, so we'll have to figure something out. And me, of course, I took that as a no. So I was like, oh, it's okay. You don't have to, like, it's fine, it's whatever. And she's like, oh no, you're in. We just need to find you a spot. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I just joined a lab. And so the next quarter, I formally joined her lab. And like I said, it was two days after the pandemic shut down everything. And so, I was going into a German database to find SARS-CoV-2 genome sequences so we can actually find the mutations, the, the ones that resulted in altered amino acid residues. And it turned out to be way too much. Originally, I was doing them all by hand. And I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, they had, I think, oh God, at the beginning, it was like 4,000 sequences being added a day and now it's much more than that so doing it all by hand was nearly impossible so i ended up having to learn coding i ended up learning python through uh, uci on coursera which is a wonderful resource uh, that's available to uh, you guys as students and from there i was able to write a script to not only pull the entire genome database from that uh, database in germany but also to analyze the difference in sequence characteristics. I think, and I think our listeners would like to know that I think you and I, our first interaction ever was on Twitter when I asked you about Python because I was interested in learning it. Yes, it was. And I'm like 90% sure I recommend UCI on Coursera too. <laughs> yes, you did. And um, I am actually taking that course right now, slowly but surely. 
I am learning it. Am I any good at it? Um, we'll see. <laughs> hey, I'm still a, a, an amateur, so I'm sure you'll do great things. Oh, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you about the whole starting research in a pandemic. Um, because right. you said that you were supposed to work on, you said, an island's protein, uh, but you ended yeah. up working on Mpro. Um, um, what was your initial reaction when it was like, oh, um, you might, you won't be able to come into in-person research because everything shut down? And what was also your, um, and what inclined you to volunteer to take on this um, this project with Mpro? That's a great question. So. I, my initial motivations for joining the Empro project was I just wanted to do some good, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I knew that a lot of people were stretched thin with their projects and I didn't have any prior experience. And so I thought it would be easiest for me to, rather than learn all of the information about, you know, crystallins, which uh, obviously I still, <laughs> I still don't know a lot about. but. Uh, rather than do that, it would be easier for me to start learning about something that is really at the, the forefront of uh, research right now, and still is, actually. I see every every day there's more SARS-CoV-2 papers coming out. And um, it's funny, I'm still actually involved with uh, doing some SARS-CoV-2 research in my new lab. but. I really just wanted to do good, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I thought the easiest way for me to do that would be to get started on this project as soon as possible. Did you expect it to turn out to something like this successful when you first took on the project? Absolutely not. I honestly thought that it was going to be a one-off project that was going to take me maybe two weeks and then it would be done. Because at the time, we didn't think that the pandemic was going to be as bad. At least I didn't think it was going to be as bad as, as it is, was, is currently, will be for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, so I, I really thought it was going to be a, a one paper and done. And at least for me in this lab, I only published one uh, during my time in the lab, but it seems like we're going to have quite a few more SARS uh, CoV 2 papers coming out that are about MRO. So uh, it's, it's a lot more than what I was expecting. Um, I kind of want to switch gears right now. And you did mention how you started off as a chemical engineering major at um, Cal Poly Pomona, but then switched, but then transferred back into community college where you ended up having um, where you ended up getting three associates degrees before coming to UCI um, and can you um, can you talk a little bit about this rather people would call it like maybe non-traditional route and um, and what are some pieces of advice or some words that you want to give to other undergraduate students who may have gone through similar routes that are not the same as as like your as like the more common route of from like from like high school to undergrad and then to beyond or high school community college and then beyond right that's a lot of questions but i'll see if i can get through them so to begin with so i had transferred to cal poly pomona in 2018 no 2014 and i stayed there for like two years 
and I was miserable. I, it was arguably one of the lowest points of my life. I was struggling with anxiety and depression, and I fell in with like a bad group of friends who I thought were friends but weren't really, and it was a whole ordeal. And like I like went tried doing therapy, and like rather than going through and actually like receiving the skills that I needed to uh, sort of accommodate the mental illness that was festering, I turned to substance abuse and I had just lost my aunt who also to substance abuse, which was honestly opening, but also something that like closed my eyes, you know, like I just sort of sank deeper into that darkness. And so I ended up moving to Seattle and just continuing on like this horrible bender of basically a year. And in that time, I basically got nothing accomplished. I had basically a psychic break and like I ended up moving back to my hometown uh, to sort of do some recovery. And in that time, I found like found like actual help. I managed to go through the therapy ringer, learn some uh, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques that really helped with um, with my problems. And then also, you know, getting treatment through medication that is not self-prescribed and uh, it all ended up working out and uh, it was funny because during my recovery I was actually continuing school basically I I had my my issues came back home and then in two months I back to school wow probably wasn't the best idea but it was something that kept driving me forward mm-hmm. so from there everything has pretty much been you know smooth sailing if we want to call it that up until you know pandemic happened yeah and at least for me in terms of what I can recommend for people who are going through something similar is that you are not alone and it happens to everybody well mm-hmm. maybe not everybody in the same fashion but I mean, mental illness is a struggle that I think a lot of people go through. And it is like a silent, silent issue. And, you know, there are routes available to get help. Um, and I'm, I'm super thankful that I'm able to access those routes myself. Um, in terms of people going through like the transfer process, transferring was very difficult. I ended up switching from the quarter system to the semester system back to the quarter system. So the whole uh, transition between length of classes and what you learn in those classes versus the support that you get from, say, like a counseling department um, has varied greatly depending on the institution. But the one thing that I can really recommend is you really need to take advantage of like counseling services for like identifying what transfer what courses will transfer over i ended up losing quite a few of my uh, course credits over the course of my transfers just because they uh there was some miscommunication between uh what i had believed would transfer over and what uh, would actually transfer over to the next institution um and then also uh, getting getting things in writing has been really, really useful. So send a lot of emails. Like I know a lot of people uh, will tell you, oh, go see this person face to face and you'll you'll get the answers you need. Have a written 
record because people will bounce back and say i didn't say that and it's it's very very complicated um but yeah that's that's the most uh, uh recommendations that i can give i think um i want to thank you for being so open about um, your struggles in the past especially in the terms of like mental illness because as someone who does um also struggles with anxiety um i feel like it's not talked about enough and when you said that no one is alone um it feels really alone in the moment right and sitting here alone in my apartment i can definitely tell you that yes it it happens very frequently where that sense of loneliness is almost overcoming at times yes definitely but you know there yeah. is a community of people who not only experience the same things that you and i feel but also have a capacity to help us in yeah. ways that we might not be able to help ourselves mm-hmm. and i feel that it's also important for it to it's also important for it to be discussed professionally and especially i feel like in academia because it's such a high pressure environment and but um and i can almost guarantee that there are multiple people struggling through the same things and that's i'm so thankful of like how open you are because other people because i feel like there's unfortunately it's too common for the norm to be struggling in silence and pretending you're fine right and you know that that really is the norm there's like uh, a real stigma against like speaking out like oh yeah i'm experiencing these issues what about everybody else is that does everybody feel this way is it just me and especially in academia i feel like if i were to pick 10 people that i see in academia on an, on a regular basis and i said hey do you have mental illness the answer will most likely be yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very stressful stressful situation that they put us in on the daily honestly mm-hmm. and it's kind of back to her struggling in silence because you're not the only one pretending everyone else is also pretending to be fine and we as humans we like to believe what we see so we say everybody else is fine we're like I know I'm not okay, but everyone else seems okay. So I'm the one who's like, something's wrong with me. Right. And, you know, I hate to be the one who's like, oh, social media is and it's ruining everything. But you see all the pictures of like people being happy and doing their Lord dance on the beach where they're like, oh, sun in my hair, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, I am so depressed. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I was at the beach, but I'm too sad to go to the beach. You know, I am buried head deep into a computational chemistry textbook right now. I don't have time to be happy. <laughs> yeah, but um but I do feel like since it's it is a heavy topic and it shouldn't be like a topic taken lightly, but in a way I feel like that's just making it less talked about. So again, I'm really thankful for you being so open about your struggles with mental illness in the past. Of course, and you yeah. know, it has taken time. I mean, yeah. for the longest time, I didn't want to talk about it. And mm-hmm. about two years ago, I made a, a good friend at UCI who in the first week of meeting her, I, I don't want to say trauma dumped, but we both trauma dumped on each other. So we kind of were like, oh my gosh, 
wait, you had a terrible experience previously? I had a terrible experience previously. Let's suffer through this together. And we've basically been inseparable since. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I have friends who I've trauma dumped to and we've trauma dumped to each other too. And I can assure you that I know exactly how you feel because I felt the same way with my friends. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your experience as a first-year graduate student um, at UCLA. First of all, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, how, um, how is the research now different than the, what, than the research you were doing in undergrad? And how did you make that transition both like in what you're studying um, and also from like one lab environment to another? Well, so it was really funny. So <laughs> I told you before, I kind of fell into my previous lab. Uh, like I did not plan this per se, but I also fell into my current lab. And so I was going to the uh, orientation for incoming or potential graduate students. So I, I was admitted, but I had, hadn't chosen which one I wanted to which school I wanted to go to yet and so at UCLA's I was just uh, they did it in Gathertown for the free, uh, viewers who don't know what Gathertown is it's basically like a Pokemon version of Zoom where you can walk around and talk to people and view posters and join individual uh, like group video call sessions and so I was walking around the virtual poster session and I stumbled on the Alexandrova lab which is a lab that I'm currently in right now and uh, I thought, oh my gosh, they do so much stuff. They collaborate with a ton of different uh, professors at universities all over the place. And it's computational, which was a, you know, a big thing for me. There weren't a lot of computational labs that I had seen that really aligned with my interests. But in this lab, they had a subgroup literally called the Bio Boys, which I thought was hilarious and funny because I now am a Bio Boy. <laughs> I love it. Um, yes. Um, and so I think the transition between the two labs was actually relatively easy. So, I mean, in terms of like what, what I study, it is a little bit different. So I had previously basically only worked with MPRO and that was pretty much the extent of my my bio, biology knowledge. And now I have a, a side project that I'm working on that will deal with essentially all proteases and all isomerases and a whole bunch of different enzymes that catalyze different reactions. And yeah, like I said earlier, analyzing the electric field uh, that those proteins exert on the active site. And so it's just a lot of reading, which, which I mean, I'm kind of used to at this point, but now I'm reading like <laughs> five articles like a week. It's like too much. Um, <laughs> um, but other than that, the transition was actually really easy. I found a lab that uh, the professor is easy to talk to. Like, uh, that, that's another big necessity for me is being able to communicate with uh, your PI in a way that is both casual, but also informative, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they are just people. I mean, I know a lot of people think of professors as like these infallible beings who 
know everything and obviously yes they are experts in their field which is why they got hired in the first place but they put their pants on one leg at a time just like everybody else and i think uh, a lot of people walk on eggshells when they're talking with their pis and i'm like in the first meeting that i had with my pi she not only said fuck but also was like <laughs> very joking with me uh <laughs> She was very sweet. She was like, I hope this doesn't offend you. And I'm like, oh, that's always a doozy when you hear that on the first meeting. <laughs> and she was like, but I have a lot of gay people in my lab. Like the coming, coming and going. And I was like, uh, I just got clocked by my new PI. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like I don't make it obvious or anything, but it's still kind of a, a bit of a shocker. But I immediately, in that moment, I was like, okay, I not only feel safe in this lab, but also I think I could have a good rapport with this, uh, with this PI. <laughs> no, um, I, I totally agree with what you say about interactions with PIs are so important. But, okay, so I'm, I'm just gonna, like, well, be full transparency here. For the first couple of years when I joined my lab that I'm working in now currently as an undergrad, I was terrified of my PI. And it wasn't until recently that I got really comfortable and I'm starting to um, show him data like every week and just talk about random things, ask for advice about graduate school and whatnot. Um, how, what advice do you give people like um, me two years ago who who, who I feel like is representative of a good chunk of undergrads who are kind of like scared to approach PIs. They have the whole walking on eggshells approach. They don't really know how to interact with them, but they want to because they want, they're curious or they want to join a research lab. I think it really depends on the professor. And I know that's kind of like the catch-all, easy way out answer, but you can definitely catch a vibe from a professor within like the first couple of times that you meet them. So personally, I have found some professors to be very standoffish and uh, you know, the key is to really be yourself. And if they don't like that, tell them to fuck off. <laughs> I, I mean, I say that. I, I don't actually need to say fuck off to your professors. Please don't do that. And if, if you do, don't reference me, please. But um, <laughs> please don't do but, that. This podcast does not recommend saying fuck off to professors. Yes, please don't do that. But my point is, you you will know if a professor is chill or not and can kind of adjust your, like, uh, interactions with them accordingly like so for me when I first started collecting like the mutations for MPRO uh, Rachel had told me to message Carter Carter Butts who I did not know this at the time but is a professor um, in at UCI uh, and so I emailed him and I was like oh hey Carter just totally casual like here's the sequences blah 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 I didn't know for I think about two three weeks uh, that he was a professor until I realized that not only is he a professor but he's her husband and, <laughs> and I had no knowledge of this and I was so shocked and mortified that I was speaking so casually to somebody who is like 
an editor at Science, like a really big journal. And uh, like, I was just, you know, casually shooting the shit, like, I, no. like occasionally dropping a curse word in the emails with him. And like, he would sign off his email. Okay, this is a hip youngster. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I was mortified. But then as it turns out, it's totally I think, I think a lot of the issues with uh, communicating with professors for the first time is that you don't want to be super casual. I think my advice would be to be formal unless otherwise notified, you know? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Like, err on the side of caution. But, you know, if you talk with them frequently, you have interactions with them that are not, you know, mortifyingly bad, then you could probably be casual in your regular interactions with them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about, like, if you have any advice? Because you did say that you um, that you approached Professor Martin uh, about joining her lab after after you've taken her class. Was it during the class or was it after you, the class had already finished? It was immediately after the class had finished and everybody, you know, lines up to talk to the professor. And I waited to be the last person in line because I wanted it to be as quick and painless as possible. And it was, but um, I really did not want to take up a lot of their time. And uh, as it turns out, like we ended up chatting about her scarf afterwards because it was a really cute scarf. She said it was... um, was modeled after something I don't remember maybe she said it was like after a DNA helix or something or no the Golgi apparatus or something I used to describe now <laughs> yeah and <laughs> it's a very it's a very graphic image even for our listeners who can't see um but yeah it was a very pretty scarf and so <laughs> we were just like chit-chatting about that afterwards um but yeah, it was after class. Um, what would you say to students who are, so let's say they are taking a class as a professor, they think the professor is cool, but they are like maybe nervous or uncomfortable making like that step to go talk to them after class and just dropping the casual like, hey, I'm interested in your research. Well, so the first thing is to make sure that you're actually interested in their research and don't go in uh, guns a-blazing with no information. If you're interested in their lab, take a look at their their research papers. If It might not make sense immediately to you, but it might help to have a little bit of background information on what they study. Um, so I actually I tried to do that with the crystalline papers and failed miserably because my mind went blank immediately after I walked up and tried to talk to Rachel. <laughs> but, um, but yes, not going in blind is a great recommendation that I have. I also recommend actually taking advantage of office hours. I know everyone and their brother says, oh, come to office hours. It's a great time. It's actually not that bad. Like nine times out of 10 office hours are a time for you to like communicate with professors. They put this time aside for a reason. And, and that would probably be one of the better times rather than just after class. Because um, then you could actually talk with them about their research and not have to be, you know, pressed for time, rushing to get to your next class or them to theirs. Um, but yeah, th- that's my recommendation, I think. Um, I'm sure our listeners are, will be, especially I think our undergraduate listeners will be really appreciate, really appreciative of all this advice. And um, I do agree with everything you said. Um, I am probably famous or infamous for showing up to a lot of office hours. Um, 
professors, if you're listening, I don't know how you feel about that. But I do tend to hang around a lot during office hours. And I can assure you, for all of our listeners, that office hours are very fun, at least I think. And again, as TJ, as he said, like everyone says go to office hours, but that advice isn't just like advice because it's the easiest thing to say. Um, it's yeah, actually it's not pretty empty legit. words. I know. It's not empty words at all. <laughs> um, so right now in your lab at UCLA, are you currently like a summer rotational student or have you already like started officially working for them? Yeah, so technically I am a summer rotation student, um, but at this point I've kind of already decided that it's going to be my lab, which is a, a great thing, I think, uh, to have settled in so quickly. Like, I have my own desk, I like, I, I have a setup, it's all very nice, I, I really like how it all turned out, and, like, <laughs> to be fair, I did, uh, <laughs> I got lost in the building in my first day, because it's a massive building that contains all of the, um, physical chemists, um, and then also, like, geologists on the other side building and the molecular biology or, uh, building is attached at some point like it's a huge like cluster of buildings and I had absolutely no idea where I was I like was on the wrong floor for like a good 10 minutes before I realized like oh my key isn't opening this door because this is not my office this is somebody else's <laughs> office entirely and they probably heard me jingle jangling my keys like a mad person trying to break into their uh, office <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully no one is in that office while you were trying to get into that office. Yeah, I really hope so, because I probably sounded a little deranged. <laughs> well, if the person whose office that was is listening to this podcast, take this as an apology and take this as an explanation. <laughs> yeah, to the, to the rando who is jiggling your doorknob at like 8 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you most excited for as you begin this next chapter of your academic career? I'm excited to publish more. Um, <laughs> Yay! Which I, will. Yeah, uh, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, my hope is that, you know, the research... I, I think the research makes sense. Uh, my, my only hope is that the reviewers do as well. Um, and, you know, obviously, I'm looking forward to, to better understanding how the software we use works and trying to improve upon it um, because, I mean, it's all new to me. And I think <laughs> my PI is very nice, but she says, I think you're too stressed. And I said, that's what makes me work, you know? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was asking a whole bunch of questions. She was like, oh, these are such good questions, like blah, 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 blah. And like, but like, you know, you're all, you've only been here for a week. You can't be expected to know everything. And I, I told her, I was like, I may not be expected to know everything, but I want to know everything. And I want to understand why this works the way that it does and why it's so finicky under certain situations. And she was like, well, these are things you will find with time. And I'm like, that's a terrible answer. I don't want that answer. <laughs> you're like, I want it now. I want it. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, are you fully computational or are you doing some experimental things? I am fully computational and part awesome. of me really wants to do some 
experimental, you know, if not just to verify the results that I've gotten. And I think this is, this might be an issue for all theory people or, well, I, I would hope that it would be an issue that you want to, to verify your, your computational methods with uh, experimental methods, but I suppose that's what collaboration is for. But um, like, I really just want to like prove that my thing worked, but you know, there's always the, the concept of like a conflict of interest. Like I might be biased towards uh, experimental results if I had found previously that my computational results proved something different. Um, but yeah, just computational for me. Um, what's the favorite part about computational chemistry? Because I think you are the first computational theoretical chemist on our podcast. You know, it's so funny. I <laughs> fought for the longest time against saying that I was a theoretical chemist because experimentalists always look at you with a side eye like, uh, oh, you just do computation? <laughs> so on my going away party, uh, Rachel and Carter were like, you're a theorist, get over it. <laughs> you should put Very that on reluctant a to take the title. You should put um, that on a cake honestly, or a t-shirt. Oh, I <laughs> you're a theorist, deal with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be very funny. Um, you know, I can't tell you that I have a favorite part yet. I feel like my favorite part is that things go relatively quickly. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, at least for the project that I'm on now, things are not moving very quickly because I'm still obviously learning learning the software and all that stuff. So I'm running into the number of error files that I have on my computer are way too high. Um, and all of them are just like simple traceback errors, but it still takes up space. It's like a, a sign of my failures. <laughs> hey. But um, yeah, it, it happens. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know what I could tell you my favorite part of it is yet, because it's still so new to me, you know? Um, one thing is, uh, I know that as, as you went through the whole graduate school application and then the final decision process, um, you did have some really good offers, at least I've seen or that you've shared uh, from other schools. Um, how did you end up choosing UCLA and what advice would you give, like, oh my gosh, it's like, I would say like people in my year who are going to be facing like similar decisions of choosing between places in a couple of months. Ah, I see. So this is a question for you. <laughs> yes, it's a very self-indulgent question because I think everyone who knows me knows that I'm indecisive. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I did not fully decide until like the deadline was very near. Uh, and that was for a couple of reasons. So what I had done, I have actually always wanted to go to UCLA. This is actually my third time trying to get into UCLA. Uh, the first time trying to get into the graduate program, obviously. I was rejected both of those times, which obviously was a crushing defeat, but my partner is uh, in the MD-PhD program, and so it all kind of worked out. We ended up Oh, it's so cute. Her. I know, it was very nice. Um, but, uh, so I kind of, in my heart of hearts, always knew that I wanted to go to UCLA. Um, and so that kind of made the decision easier. Uh, it was up between UCLA and Caltech for me. And uh, 
They were very similar programs. Um, Caltech offered a bit more of a competitive stipend, which I uh, might not be supposed to tell you this, but I actually negotiated uh, a bit of my stipend up a bit. Um, so that, they say you aren't really supposed to do that, but I had a good report with the um, with the uh, graduate division supervisor, who is very very kind and did a lot of virology research, which I was really interested in. I was actually contemplating joining his lab um, before joining Alexandro Lab, uh, but it turned out he wasn't accepting new graduate students, which was very sad because I, I really wanted to do some stuff with viruses, but um, might do a collaboration with him in the future. But um, yes. if you're listening, please do a collab with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one thing that I, I can say definitively is that lean on your PI. They are there to help you uh, get as many reviewers for your writing as you can because they know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Like these are the people who will be on your admissions committee. These are the people who uh, go through mountains and mountains of writing and like grant writing and all of the things trying to basically win, right? So you got to get a lot of winners on your on your team. And for me, Rachel was my <laughs> my uh, uh, lighthouse in the fog. She really helped me a lot uh, in writing my applications and reviewing those. And I think we went through, I think, 10 or 11 iterations of the applications. And each time I thought, oh my God, it can't get any better than this, you know? And then somehow she would get me back to me with a review that said, hey, this doesn't look right, fix it. And I was like, okay, sure. And the final product I was very pleased with, and it actually ended up getting me an offer from UCLA uh, two weeks after I submitted the application. <laughs> oh, wow, congrats. <laughs> Thank you, yes, I got a call from a professor who was in Germany and uh, he, well, actually, no, I got a call from him and then I didn't pick up because I was like, a call from Germany? Who the heck is calling me from Germany? <laughs> and uh, it turned out to be a professor who was like, please call me back from this time to this time at your earliest convenience. And I was like, oh God, this is either going to be like the world's worst rejection or it's good news, right? Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be good news. Um, and so I like was sitting at my desk and like crying out having because I was like, oh my god, I finally got it. Aww. Um, <laughs> it's an iconic story. <laughs> oh god. Um, but yeah, lean on your PIs. They are there to help you, and they will, if if all goes well, be willing to help you. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the advice that I have for that. I also highly recommend getting started with the application process early. You can, there are a ton of resources online for um, like uh, essay writing. I know, um, I think Alex Lang, that's A-L-E-X-L-A-N-G. He has a website for, I think, I don't remember if it was the GRFP or if it was for general graduate applications, but um, uh, he has a lot of good tips for uh, writing writing stuff and a lot of examples as well um, but yeah I, I highly recommend uh, as also asking people in your group is is really useful uh, at least for our lab we had uh, a Google Drive with um, 
different graduate applications hanging out in there that you could just, you know, read and see, you know, what people got in, wrote, and that, that was pretty helpful, I think. Okay. Oh, 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 that sounds like a really helpful resource. And um, I have heard about Alex Lang's website. I think it's for the GRFP. Don't quote me on that. But for our listeners, I will be linking the link for Alex Lang's website in the episode description. So be sure to check that out. Oh yeah, the GRFP. I applied for that uh, in my last year. I got an honorable mention for that, and I thought it was the funniest thing because I got mentioned in the the physical science and social media thing, and I was like, "This is the runner-up prize. I I didn't get anything for this." I was like, "But of course, people are like, oh, put it on your resume." I'm like, "Okay, but I didn't win." <laughs> hey. You got an honorable mention. You got something. So, and, and like as an undergrad, I personally think that's a big deal. Well, strive to be better. No, I'm joking, yes. of course. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you will you will get, but you will do better, and you will get the GRFP. I believe in you. Oh, um, oh, oh gosh. Oh god. <laughs> Hopefully, I believe fingers in you. crossed. You'll be great. Oh, thank you. Fingers crossed. And to all of our listeners out there. You can do it too. Yes, we all can do it. <laughs> we believe in you. Um, I think I've kept you here long enough, and I am so excited to see what all the amazing, cool things you will do in your time at UCLA.、Uh, we miss you here at UCI, but we miss you for good reason because you are away doing, doing amazing things. Well, thank you so much again for having me. It was honestly a real blast, even though I totally botched my intro.、Um, It's okay. <laughs> well, thanks again. Yeah,、um, I think it's only fitting for us to close with the classic chemistry question, which is, "What is your favorite type of tea?" Ooh, that's a great question. So I have a favorite tea from when I was a child. So we bought Yamamoto Yama, I think, and it's、uh, Genmei Cha. So it's、uh, green tea with popped rice in it. I think it's called the the poor man's tea or something. Absolutely delicious. Has a great nutty flavor. I highly recommend it. And I'm sure that there are better, better brands.、Um, but I wasn't able to find it for the longest time, and I was just recently able to find it. I think it was at Whole Foods or something. But I found it, and my eyes lit up because I was like, "Oh my god, I haven't seen this in years!" Ah, amazing. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, and I think I have a bag of that in my apartment right now. And I have to second that it is. So good. <laughs> you have taste. Good taste. Ten out of ten taste. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I think. I think it's the popped rice that makes it so much better. It has to be. There's something. They, There's something. They really. They really put effort into it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Well, um, thank you again so so much, TJ, for coming on the pod. Um, again, we、um, I wish you the best in whatever amazing things you do、um, as you wrap up your summer vacation, as you get into your first quarter officially.、Um, thank you again for coming on the podcast for、um, for all your support for the podcast, and to all of our listeners, thank you so much for 
um, joining us on this episode. Thank you for the support that you've given the Chemistry Pod so far. Um, if you would like to support further, we will we will have a Ko-Fi link, donation link in the episode description. And if you are interested in following TJ's um, grad graduate school shenanigans, um, his Twitter handle will also be in the description as well. Um, thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a fabulous day. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.